turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together as always. And I encourage you, excuse me, to um, head over to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up there for the daily email that you get every morning goes at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific, everywhere in between. You can get the wink. It's called what the daily email is called the wink. What you need to know uh, from Ed Martin's Pro-America Report. So tune in there. Sign up, ProAmericaReport.com. Easy sign up. I promise I don't sell or rent or even uh, uh, trade your email address with anyone. It's just to send you the wink. And you'll be happy you get a couple links, a couple stories, and one key point. The key point, hopefully, is something that you hadn't been thinking about, and you'll uh, understand why it's something that you need to know. So today on this segment, of course, we start off the radio program with the wink. And um, in a moment, we'll talk with John Schlafly, by the way, get an update from John and a lot more uh, on the program, including an update later in the show, the last segment, segment four, on the upcoming Eagle Council about 10 days from now in St. Louis uh, you won't be able to stream it live, but you'll be able to see parts of it afterwards, which you're going to want to do. So um, look forward to that. Um, the wink, today's wink. Uh, you know, I started to write this and I was getting ready to um, lay out how uh, it is. The, the title I was going to say was it's Trump's party. It's Trump's party. And the reason why is because there was an uh, an article that was in Politico reporting, actually, it's actually news reporting on a Utah race. Uh, there is an, an, a vacancy coming open. Uh, one of the congressmen, Congressman, I think it's Stewart. Um, sorry to admit, I can't remember his first name. He's uh, retiring because his um, wife is very ill. And so he said he had to go. He has to go home and take care of her. And uh, very actually a very nice story, very what I would call normal story for his name is Chris Stewart, Congressman Chris Stewart from Utah. And so he's resigning. And so they had a special election to replace him. And there was three, I think, three candidates running. Uh, one of them was Bruce Hoff, whose uh, daughter is uh, and son are both famous actresses. Julianne Hoff is uh, uh, the the uh, Dances with the Stars, I think. And he's been on the uh, uh, state party uh, of Utah as a chairman before on the RNC. I get to know him. Very nice man. Uh, kind of a quieter guy. Um, not maybe not a um, maybe not a, uh, a loud guy, but a good guy. Nice man. Um, but he ran. He came in third. 
uh, came in second was a former state representative named Becky Edwards, who had some name ID in the district, right? A congressional race, a special congr- a special a special election in a congressional race is almost entirely about name ID. So this uh, this woman was a state rep. She came in second and who won was Celeste Malloy, who was a staffer to Congressman Stewart, which is common, right? If if, Cong- if, if a congressman's retiring, especially suddenly in this case because of health of his wife, then a staffer who has all the ins with the congressman's people has an inside track perhaps to run. But the article covered, reporting covered, that the uh, woman, the second place, the state rep, was an out-and-out uh, anti-Trumper, uh, a never-Trumper anti-Trumper, um, had run for U.S. Senate against Mike Lee because Mike Lee was too Trumpy. You know, out in Utah, there's a chunk of people, uh, mostly in the Mormon Church, the Latter-day Saints, that just don't like Trump for lots of reasons. I'm not really sure. Romney is the best example, Senator Romney. But So I started to say, oh, well, look, this is the, the answer here is it's Trump's party. If you're the Trump candidate in a race, you're going to win because it's Trump's party. And it's not Trump's party because he bought it. It's Trump's party because of the issues. The issues that are going to win are the MAGA issues, the MAGA intensity, the fight for us stuff. What I would call, and I've been writing a little bit about this, the pro-America movement, the pro-America sensibility. And that, you know, pro-America, for America, for Americans first, for our borders, for pro-life, pro-family. Pro-America. Anyway, so I started to write this story. I was going to say, oh, well, what you need to know today is it's Trump's party. It's Trump's party. It's Trump's party. Right. I was going to say you know, on the issues. I was on a radio program every Wednesday morning at 730 local time, which is in uh, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. I appear on uh, I appear. I, I, I am on uh, by voice a radio program, Stevie J, <clears throat> excuse me, on the ESPN affiliate there. And I do about a 20 minute segment, Stevie J, myself and Stevie J's brother, who is a guy named Johnny from uh, from um, New Orleans, uh, from um, uh, Louisiana, and uh, a businessman and a guy who has supported term limits prominently, ran for, uh, I think it was ran for U.S. Senator. Maybe he just ran the term limits effort in Louisiana. Anyway, we have this great freewheeling conversation for about 25 minutes on the radio in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. I enjoy it immensely. It's at 735 Central Time, 835 my time on the East Coast. And so I just love I love talking to these guys. And we were talking yesterday and they had this clip of JFK talking about what he believed. And he sounds like a Republican. And that was their point. And these two, the two brothers, Johnny and Stevie J. And they're saying this. And I said, well, that's true. The Democrat Party has gone more and more to the left. There's no doubt. Right. When you're all the way to the point where you embrace abortion, abortion till the end of life, that that's not even remotely the old Democrat Party, which was ethnically a lot of ethnic uh, Democrats, Italian-Americans, Irish-Americans, and they were Catholics and they were not for abortion. Even if they said make it safe and legal and rare, they didn't want to have it till the end of the of, of, of the of the pregnancy. But even more shocking is the transgender stuff and the and the girls in the lock uh, boys in the girls locker room and boys competing girls sports this is the democrat party embraced this far left stuff is wild but i pointed out to them while it's true that the democrat party has shifted more and more to the left it's also true that in the last five seven years let's say since 2015 so maybe maybe make it eight years since in eight years, but the transition only really happened after Trump won. So that was in 16 and really in, in 2017 when he got in office because he was able to succeed in his policies. But the Republican Party dramatically shifted. 
from 2015 and 16. I was on the Republican National Committee. You, you, you know, the, the Republican National Committee was beginning yet another push for amnesty for illegals because they thought if we're just nice on amnesty for illegals, we, we might win the uh, Hispanic vote. They were preparing that thing. They were just they were going, hey, I know, let's not talk about abortion. We don't want to be pro-life. We'll never win. That was what they were doing. And Trump came in and said, no, yeah, we're going to close the borders. We're going to be for America first. We're going to be pro-life. We're going to slap tariffs on the Chinese. That was another thing. In 2015, on the 2013, 14, and 15, when I was on the RNC, there there might have been five out of 168 people on the Republican National Committee, the governing body of the Republicans, who would have said, let's use tariffs. Because you were conditioned by the Republican Party, the status quo, that tariffs were bad for everybody. Well, it turns out Trump tried them and they worked and they're not bad for anybody. They're good for America. They're They're good for the people who know how to use them. The nations know how to use them. My point here is, it is Trump's party on the issues. And that's the facts. You you look across the board, even on some of the issues where I think Trump tried to move the Republican Party in directions. You know, I don't think you know on, on criminal justice, when he was in office, a lot of the stuff he was doing was more liberal and more moderate and not hard line. And I think a lot of people still are struggling with that because you say, well, you know, the, the one side, the far left wants no bail. Right. And they want to let anybody who does violent crime in the cities go. I mean, if you as long as you as long as you shoplift less than a thousand dollars, is it in some cities you don't you get prosecuted? So that's the limit. Right. Then, you know, you can come in and take anything as long as it's not more than a thousand dollars. Well, that that um, a television's uh, eighteen hundred dollars. That's too big. But I'll take the nine hundred dollar one. I'll just walk out with it. But so so somewhere along the way, Republicans and Trump was leading on this, that he wanted criminal justice reform. I'm not sure that was an issue that's totally solid with the Republicans. But other than that, he's moved the party. He's moved the party. It's Trump's party. If you're the Trump candidate endorsed in a race, you win the primary. It's a Republican party dominated by Trump and Trump's issues. And I say all that and I warm up to all that. And then I tell you that when I went to read the article in the Politico, which said, oh, yeah, the headline is Utah Republicans block Trump critic from Congress. It's not what I saw. What I saw when you read it is that the pro Trump candidate won out of three. I mean, I think two out of three were pro Trump. Only one of them was avidly anti-Trump, this uh, uh, this Becky Edwards. But here's where it's funny. You got to read all the way down until they admit that the woman that they think that was blocked dramatically, state representative Becky Edwards, she voted in 2020 for Biden. And she admitted that. Now, let me give you a word of advice. You can't win a primary in America, in the Republican Party, if you voted for Obama or you voted for Biden. I mean, I mean, unless you're unopposed. But if you're running in a competitive primary, you cannot have voted for Joe Biden. That that's a bridge too far. I mean, there are some people that will say, oh, I was so frustrated with uh, with uh, X or Y candidate by the end of it. You know, Governor so and so Republican or even President Trump. I was just I I just thought and I really I cast my uh, vote or I, I sat it out or something still still objectionable. I don't understand it myself. It doesn't make sense to me. But when you say, oh, yeah, I was so upset I voted for Biden, pro abortion, pro transgender, you know, anti America. Come on. You can't expect people to suddenly look the other way. So Politico buries the lead. They try to make the headline about Trump. Why? Because a headline about Trump gets clicks. In fact, I I clicked on it. Utah Republicans block Trump critic from Congress. That's not what happened. The better headline is Utah Republicans vote. And two out of three Republicans who support Trump do fine. The one who's never Trumper and voted for Biden didn't do very well. 
it's a bad headline, but anyway, you can see what they're doing, and uh, it's funny to see. But it is Trump's party, but it's not in this case uh, much indication. If you vote for Biden, you got a different set of problems. All right, that's what you need to know today, and we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly again. The most interesting conversations happened before I hit record. Uh, John Schlafly and I were just discussing many topics, and well, some of them you'll hear about on this uh, interview, and, and some later on I will have a, a segment on Attorney General Ken Paxton of Texas, who is being uh, trumped. They're trumping him. They're trying to trump him. They're trying to try him and, 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 and impeach him and run him out of office because I think he didn't get along as well as he was supposed to with them, but we'll talk about that a little later in the program. First, John Schlafly writes a weekly column with his brother Andy, the Phyllis Schlafly Report, available over at townhall.com and archived at phyllisschlafly.com. This week's uh topic john this is pretty good uh the late phyllis Schlafly used to say it's hard to write a column that will sustain in you know for five or six days this but one's higher unemployment worsened by higher immigration this was barely dry on the paper or whatever they do when mayor adams of new york basically said if we keep it up we're going to destroy new york and i think by extension america i mean i've never heard a democrat speak like that it's pretty stunning. So uh, yeah, I think you were right on this issue, I, John. But is is anybody well, listening? I agree. I agree, uh, Ed. And you you might say that the mayor has cried uncle if if you're, <laughs> any of your readers are old enough to remember that term. Yep. Uh, you know, I admit, Ed, that when uh, Governor Abbott of Texas first started sending some busloads of migrants to New York, I I thought it was a kind of a stunt that wouldn't amount to much because the numbers, frankly, I mean, you can only put forty people on a bus and you know, so that's a drop in the bucket. But apparently it's been enough to cause the mayor of New York to, you know, go berserk. And uh, he simply, you know, because first of all, they've got both state and local laws that require him to provide shelter to right. everyone who asks it. And he's run out of room. And he has apparently taken over uh, a, a very a large, imposing, and and uh, well-known hotel, the Roosevelt Hotel in Midtown Manhattan, that some of your listeners who've been to New York over the years may have, if not stayed there, at least walked right by it because it's very prominent. And uh, you know, and 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 uh, of course, they've completely wrecked the hotel, and the, the migrants are camped out on the sidewalk in front of it, and uh, and this is in the fancy Midtown area of Manhattan, and and and. Eric Adams is saying this will be the end of New York. He's saying we can't cope with this and there's no end to it. He's saying now, if he's saying that in liberal New York, where he's got enormous amount of money to cover things like this, really, he does. Uh, You know, what about the rest of the country? Well, John, this Uh, is uh, this is um, this is what I wanted to ask you about. Um, Your column refers to the uh, the economy and. And, you know, the economy is clearly stuck, if not stalled, if not in recession. I I, I think people are being optimistic when they're saying we're sort of muscling through it. But um, imagine the if we hadn't had a million, million and a half uh, uh, illegals in the country, what that would do to the job market. It would t- tighten the labor market. Obviously, it would it would it would change wages completely. I mean, one of the tricks of inflation, correct me if I'm wrong, is, it, you know, your cost of things goes up 13 percent on average this over the last since Biden took office. It's gone up 13 percent, the cost of almost everything on average. 
And nobody's pay goes up 13%, especially when the market's being flooded with workers. Well, that's right. And, you know, employment, of course, Biden is trying to brag about employment. And, you know, the employment, the unemployment rate uh, did jump last month, although it's still not very high. Now, now, mind you, I mean, as most everybody knows, that they only count people as unemployed if they're actively looking for work. But we have a situation where millions of Americans have dropped out of the labor force. Uh, uh, so they're not even they're, they're not counted in the unemployment statistics, but they're still here. We've got Americans who have given up or dropped out or uh, of the labor force, while jobs are going to people who are foreign born. This is what the statistics show: the labor force, that's the people who are working. Uh, they're increasing numbers of foreign born, but decreasing numbers of U.S. born. Now, where's the sense in that? So this is because the whole Biden administration has been basically hijacked to cater to the people who crossed illegally and entered our country illegally, or in some cases uh, stayed illegally after their visas expired, and uh, they're getting work permits. So it used to be that illegal aliens uh, were prohibited from working, and Likewise, people on visas were uh, prohibited to working after their visas expired. Well, Biden is giving them work permits. And so that's just the same as an American when they're allowed to go take jobs. And that's what they're doing. We're talking with John Schlafly again. His column is over at uh, townhall.com originally, but uh, archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Um, John, have you ever seen, I mean, look, RFK Jr. went down to the border and he did a video where he basically said, I can't believe that this border is wide open. I didn't believe it. Um, now we have Mayor Adams, but Mayor Adams said it was extraordinary speech. He said, I usually see a problem and I think I can find a way to solve that. It might take a long time. Might take. He said, this I can't solve. There's no way to solve it. When we had 10,000 illegal immigrants coming to uh, New York, uh, refugees, they call them. That was one thing. Now we have 110,000. And he said, you know, there's nowhere to go. But, John, th the warning that I thought was so sort of in a funny way haunting was he said, we'll lose the city. We we will this it won't just be oh difficult it will be the end of the city of New York if they keep this up, isn't it true that's the same thing with this country? Yes, of course it is true, and, and you know, and whatever happened to the the liberal mantra that diversity is our strength? Uh, you know, evidently Mayor Adams doesn't see it that way. <laughs> yeah, have with his direct experience, he's got a lot of diversity, and mind you, you know these migrants, you know, they're coming from all over the world. It's not just Mexico. It's not just Central America. They're coming from Africa and Asia, and every country, over 100 countries, have been uh, shown up at our southern border. And then they're given travel vouchers to go wherever they want. And a lot of them go to New York. They go to other cities, and they get work permits, and they're acting like they're Americans, which they aren't, because uh, they have you know, at least five years before they're due to show up for a hearing. So, John, is the, is the only solution um, waiting for a presidential election? Isn't part of this that they're, you know, by the time you get to the presidential election, you're, you know, uh, let's say that the, that the Republican wins. Let's say it's Trump wins and he says, you know, we're going to stop all this madness. We're going to enforce the law, actually. But we have, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine million people in the country. And the, the litigation, uh, the lawfare opens up on the left flank and fights us and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I hate to sound like it's sort of over before it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's over already. 
what else is there to do? Is is DeSantis are DeSantis and and uh, Abbott showing a path now? Do you have any confidence in that? What's your thoughts? Well, no, the the policies have not changed, despite uh, the complaints by Mayor Abbott, despite the shipments uh, by Governor Abbott and DeSantis. The policy, I mean, Biden doesn't think he has to change anything, and neither. And now, uh, Mayorkas was before uh, Congress today, I think, saw a headline, but you know. They think like they have clear sailing. They have full speed ahead to bring in these people. Because there was a federal judge in Texas who uh, issued an order saying he has to uh, to actually deport these people. But unfortunately, when it got to the Supreme Court last June, the Supreme Court said that the lower judge went too far in telling the Biden administration what they had to do. He said, so unfortunately, that case fizzled out there. There's maybe another case in the pipelines, but, you know, we may not get another resolution in the courts until, you know, Biden's term is up or until his own Democratic Party echoes Mayor Adams. It says, look, finally decides like Mayor Adams, like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and others, you know, Christian Cinema is another one. Christian Cinema is... Uh, a was elected as a Democrat. She's now an independent, but running for re-election, which is very important in Arizona. And she's complaining about this hmm. uh, because the people in Arizona see this and they don't like it. Yeah, it's hard to know how but, that. Uh, uh, yeah, but nothing has really changed, and that's the key thing. Despite these complaints, it's going to take more. Hmm. Uh, it's uh, it is it, it, well, uh, and yeah. I, and I wonder if there can't be something um happening from the states as as this has gotten more. It's starting to it's it feels a little bit like um in, in 2015 when Trump w- was you know talking about uh, uh the issues and then there was the murder in San Francisco um and uh, and people said oh we have a way to understand this. The mayor of of New York saying we can't handle this. We're New York's over if we don't stop. That's pretty compelling. All right, John, I got to run. I'm at a, at a break here. A point. I got to take a break. Uh, John. Everybody over at townhall.com originally runs there Tuesday evenings and then archived at phyllisschlafly.com. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. It's been a while, a few months since we spoke with Christina Bob. Christina Bob is, uh, has worn many hats. She's a, a prominent journalist uh, on television uh, for a while. She was in the Marine Corps, served in, as a lawyer in the Marine Corps, which uh, the Marines don't have really cushy jobs. So that's still a uh, kind of a, a wild job. And she has also served uh, as an attorney and a legal spokeswoman for uh, President Donald Trump, uh, which makes her, we were talking off the air, a target of it used to be you'd be a target of people saying mean things on Twitter and other where other places. Now they sue you, file bar complaints, uh, threaten to indict you. It's it's really uh, a challenge. So welcome back, Christina Bob. How are you? Hey, Ed. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. And the topic to talk about is uh, Skyhorse Publishing published your book, and it's called Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election, What It Means for 2024. I was out in uh, in Missouri when Mike Lindell a few weeks ago had this big uh, unveil, and I was impressed with a lot of what I saw about grassroots energy focusing on 2024 elections. However, it feels like the, in your book you talk about the kinds of forces against conservatives, against President Trump, the media, the legal, you know, apparatus, Mm -hmm. Mark Elias feels like all that's still there and maybe more. 
Well, it is all still there. Um, I don't think it's more. Uh, okay. As as you mentioned, we've got really great grassroots efforts all over the country doing a lot of great work that we did not have in 2019 and 2020. Um, they had an advantage in 2020 and that nobody was paying attention. Nobody was, you know, nobody cared. You had the whole COVID thing going on and everyone was focused on that. And, you know, nobody thought that anybody was going to significantly steal in 2020. And not only did they significantly steal, but it was uh, like by a lot, by millions and millions of votes. And so it got everybody's attention. And so the advantage that we have now is people are engaged and, and involved and there's been really good grassroots. I agree with you. There needs to be more work done, but there has been some work done. They don't have the advantage of nobody paying attention. Everybody's paying attention now. Um, so they don't have the same advantages that they had in 2020. The advantage that they have now is that they're in office, right? They're right, holding right. the high ground. Right. So we do, we do have to kind of fight our way back, but I think we are, I think we're doing it. We need help. Everybody who's listening. I'm sure I would imagine your, your listeners of all people are people who are engaged in the fight. So, um, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but we, we need people. We just need people involved. Well, I, I, yes, except uh, they people have to say, yeah, I'm involved and then go do it. It's, it's as you know, one of the mm-hmm. things about is uh, a lot of talk. You got to get to action. Uh, again, we're talking with Christina Bob and her book is called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. Um, in the book, uh, you uh, you have a chapter t- two from the end called Changing the Narrative. I often tell my listeners the narrative machine in this country, which is big government working with big tech and big media to tell us what what the truth is, and they're lying 90% of the time, changing the narrative. Christina, you were on the front lines of media, One America News, you know, very successful. You were on the front lines of the most prominent, uh, well, Republican, but probably prominent politician and campaign in history, uh, Trump, Donald Trump. And yet the narrative machine, uh, changing the narrative, it's it's almost like you're, you're you know, kind of spitting in the ocean. Yeah, well... In that, particularly in that chapter, I was referring to the apparatus, the right. the government apparatus changing the narrative, right? Right. right. Um, you've got, when the way they changed it was with January 6th. I mean, right. the narrative, what the, the organic, spontaneous narrative was, hey, the election was stolen. There's problems with our election. Let's look into it. Um, and they changed that narrative into January 6th. January 6th was not what they claim it was. You know this better than right. I do. I should be interviewing you on that. <laughs> but, um, they changed the narrative to try to make us think that there was some, you know, government cover up or overthrowing the, whatever, whatever it was. They, they lied about it and threw people in jail. Well, and, and exactly. That's why I, that's why I liked it. I'm sorry. I, I'm looking at my notes. Says, I could have said it better. The book pivots on that because I agree with you and most people don't say it. January 6th is necessary to hide from 2020, because if you if you want to have a serious conversation about 2020, they say, oh, no, no, no. I mean, you know, look what happened on January 6th and it stops it. It's, and for most Americans and too many Republicans and conservatives, it stops it. Do you think, Christina, that the litigation against President Trump for indictments in some way is actually Back, not just backfiring in terms of many people saying, wow, they're targeting him, but also giving him a chance to say, wait, you're complaining that I was concerned about voter fraud. Let me explain to you how and what we found. In some ways, it's almost like they lacked, they, they blocked standing for 64 out of 65 lawsuits after 2020. And then they gave President Trump standing to, to litigate this. Do you, yeah. is that, am I overreading that? And do you, are you no. hopeful that's where we're going? Yes, I, I, that's where we should go. Uh, I think 
they're caught. They're they're caught in a in a trap because they keep doubling down with more corruption, more corruption, more corruption, thinking it's going to solve the problem, and it keeps backfiring and it's not working. They thought they could steal the election, get rid of Donald Trump, everything would be fine, and they could go on their Marxist little way. Um, but that that didn't happen in 2020. It didn't happen in 2022, and it's not happening now. And so. Uh, when they didn't steal the election enough, meaning to the point where people believed it, then they had to orchestrate January 6th and try to frame Trump supporters and get everybody to think Trump supporters were evil. That didn't happen. That didn't work. Nobody believes people believe that it was the federal government who orchestrated January 6th at this point. And so when that narrative failed, then they had to say, you know, oh, he's he's a criminal. He's a criminal. So they're doubling down on a failing narrative. And the more they push on it, the more likely it is to break. So they are breaking their own mm-hmm. facade. It feels like it. It feels like it. I hope so. Although the the last time they did this, they they sort of broke the world with COVID, and then they broke it again with cheating on the election. And then they yeah. tried January sixth. The the question, and again, our guest is Christina Bob. Her book is "Stealing Your Vote: The Inside Story of the 2020 Election," which I think we're going to hear more and more about in the coming months and years from President Trump and this litigation, and then especially and what it means for 2024. Are you, Christina, and I, I, you are, I know, because you kind of got a happy warrior mentality, but I, I ask you to put it into your own words. Are you optimistic right now? I mean, are you, as yeah. much as you've seen happening on the ground and, and how targeted people are, if you're pro-lifer and you're protesting, you're targeted. If you're pro-Trump and you're at the Capitol, you're targeted. If you're, if you're a candidate for office, you're targeted. If you're, are you optimistic? I'm very optimistic. I, I don't want to play Pollyanna and pretend it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And what... Uh, these Marxist crazies have done with our government um, is very serious and very scary. So I don't want to be naive about it. However, they operate best when no one knows what they're doing. They operate best in concealment and they are completely out in the open at this point. They are fully exposed and we continue to expose them. And the wheels are coming off of this I I was going to say Biden crime family, but it's also Obama. I mean, Obama really was the one that put this in place and um, probably even presidents before George Bush, before Obama to have this like political class take over the United States to create, create this globalist society. So Uh, yes, I I am optimistic, but the way we fix it is by getting all of these Marxists out of office getting not just out of office, but out of the government, cleaning out our government, shutting down this over overpowering government, cleaning it out. And then, yes, I, I think we'll we'll thrive. I think America's best days are ahead of her. Christina Bob, the book is from Skyhorse Publishing, and uh, and I will put it up on social media. Um, make sure everybody sees it, uh, Stealing Your Vote. Um, you go through, I don't know, tw- almost 20, 22 chapters. I can't remember now. I can't see the tip my notes. Of all these insides and outs, Arizona, you look at Georgia, you go through exactly what happened. It's really helpful. When, one question, I just got a couple minutes left, but when you look at the Republican Party, that's one of the stories. I mean, I was on the RNC, the National Committee, and I kept saying, mm-hmm. we're, we're running to lose here. This is years yep. ago, 13 through 15. And, and it feels like that happened in 2020. And it's happening again, to be honest, uh, that the, the Republican National Committee is not up to this job. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think the parties have failed both sides. Um, the Democrat Party is non-existent. I mean, it's a totalitarian regime at this point. Mm-hmm. The Republican Party is just kind of weak and impotent. Um but thankfully, we've got the MAGA movement, right? This is not a Republican movement. This is a MAGA movement. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. 
Uh, I know a lot of people feel like they need to change parties or whatever because Donald Trump is running as a Republican, but the movement doesn't matter. The movement is about people who love this country and want to see her thrive. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Christina, Bob, we were talking off the air. I always do that to my listeners. I have these great conversations that I should record about <laughs> how much you're out there and in the fray and how high the cost is. So thank you for doing it and doing it with a, a smile and style. And uh, we'll have you back again. And we'll hope the book again, Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. Christina, Bob, thank you for your time. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate it. All right, Christina Bob. And I tell you, she makes she made it on the air, but she also makes a great case in the book of how uh, January 6th is a pivot in the lies uh, to try to hide a 2020s election. Uh, we will take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Several state legislatures have passed a law to instruct judges not to use any foreign law in deciding cases in U.S. courts. And several more state legislatures are considering bills that say the same thing. These are very important laws because we certainly do not want any foreign law to override the U.S. Constitution or our rule of law. However, the Muslims take offense at these laws because they want their law, called Sharia, to be recognized in our courts. Do you remember the case of a Muslim criminal called the Underwear Bomber, Umar Farouk, Abdu Mutalab, who tried to blow up a commercial airliner with a bomb hidden in his underwear? As the plane was preparing to land in Detroit, passengers saw his underwear burning. They courageously grabbed him, the flight attendants put out the blaze with a fire extinguisher, and the plane made a safe emergency landing. Well, when this criminal was tried for attempted murder, he pled guilty. At the trial, however, he read a statement he had written saying that although his behavior may have violated American law, his action was in keeping with Muslim law. Here are his own words. I attempted to use an explosive device, which in U.S. law is a weapon of mass destruction, which I call a blessed weapon to save the lives of innocent Muslims. He knew exactly what he was saying because he was well-educated and came from a wealthy family. He made it clear that killing Americans is not only okay, but is commanded by Sharia law. I'm glad this criminal was given a life sentence with no chance of parole. But how many other Muslims are there in this country who share those views? Tell your state legislators to hurry up and pass a law to prevent any judge from ever using foreign law in our U.S. courts. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Can activist judges be stopped or will they continue to overturn laws with no regard for the Constitution or the will of the people? Connect with us at phyllisschlafly.com to hear alerts on rulings made by never-elected supremacist judges and to share your viewpoint. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I previewed earlier in the Pro-America Report 
my reasons, part of my reasons for you to come and be a part of Eagle Council in St. Louis on September 15th, 16th, and 17th this year, just a month or so from now. And I want to go through that a little bit more. Every year for the past 52 years, it's actually been a little bit more than that because there was at least one year where we could not have the event. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly hosted Eagle Council. And Eagle Council was a gathering of what she called her eagles, uh, what we call uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles today. It's a group of people. It, it's it's a little loosely defined. It's not um, only sort of membership, like uh, pay $20 and you're a Phyllis Schlafly Eagle. It's kind of being affiliated with Phyllis Schlafly's work, which is broadly described as pro-family, pro-life, uh, certainly pro-America, pro-America report, but also America first. She used that phrase quite a bit. Um, Phyllis Schlafly was someone who had a great vision for how America's specialness came about, um, founded in the Constitution and the rule of law and the founding values and things like uh, patent law, uh, property rights around inventions and things. She described uh, marvelously in some of her writings about how powerful that was. She had this great vision of the Constitution being extraordinarily powerful at knitting us together and having protections for our system, all these things. She was a great woman of faith. So she believed that our Judeo-Christian values at the founding and our Christian values uh, fundamentally informed how we lived, and it made a big difference. So our gatherings are not the cattle call gatherings. If you go to CPAC, you've probably seen the pictures. If you've attended, they sometimes have 4,000, 5,000 people. They'll have a room that'll have a, a 5,000, 2,500 people watching the big speeches. Um, they'll have dozens and dozens of, uh, of, of, um, uh, tables and, and booths and all. It's really like a trade show. And now Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's group, they do similar things. We're just huge crowds. They're, now they're not. I'm not describing them as not without value. I think they all have their own value. They fit a certain niche, um, depending on, you know, the, the Koch brothers used to have big events and they tended to be more sort of globalist and libertarian leaning and different kinds of things. You can go to some incredibly powerful, large gatherings of pro-lifers, uh, some of the pro-life conventions, the uh, March for Life in, um, in DC now has sort of conventions wrapping around it. They're very powerful. What Eagle Council is, is a kind of gathering of doers, of people who are already in the fray. They've decided to make a difference in the community they're in. Sometimes they're volunteers at the grassroots level. Sometimes they're elected officials. Sometimes their issue is pro-life or pro-family. Sometimes the issue is education or transparency. Um, it, it's, it's a different kind of gathering. We have had... 1,200 people for the presidential candidates in 2015. That was a huge, almost a, uh, our biggest event that I've been a part of. But other times we'll have 150 at a meal. But the, what's happening at the meal and what's happening in the rooms is of the quality of, in, in two ways. One, you got a lot of wise people. You got a lot of people. Uh, you know, sometimes some these days we're missing some of our greats. Kitty Worthman, who passed away in the last year and a half, I guess it was. She was um, extraordinary. But so are people like Marilyn Shannon. She's the chairman of the board of the Phyllis Life Eagles. Tamara Scott, Noreen McCann, um, all these different folks, our own staff. So experienced. They the quality of the people and the experience level is off the charts. So what do you get? You get the networking opportunity that can amplify your 
uh, skill set and your, um, uh, it can amplify what you're doing by giving you more, um, strength and resolve and, uh, and experience. So, for example, uh, Woody Woodrum out in California, one of our great leaders, he's been coming, he and his wife Donna for years. And when it comes to the fight in California for the platform committee, for example, which is going on right now, Woody's a guy I can call and say, hey, Woody, who, who's who? What's what? Where are the, the key players? You know, where's the traps here? And that kind of thing. So you get two things. You get quality people, which is valuable for wisdom, and then you get real good education. Education on the key issues. This year, we're going to have a, a speaker on immigration who you've heard on the program, Todd Bensman. He's on the front lines all the time. If you want to understand the issues and you want to amplify your positions, which I hope is to secure the border and, and get our country under control, you want Bensman in your camp. You want him in your hip pocket. This got so, we got so good at this that there was a moment where in the European Parliament, one member of the European Parliament, Dominic Tarzinski from Poland, was speaking to a policymaker from Germany. And both guys, Dominic and this German, had been to our Eagle Council. We've had the Hungarians there. The Hungarians there speaking about how they use the law to protect and promote the family, the tax code and otherwise. People that say, oh, law's got to be neutral to the family. Neutral to the family is is not neutral. It's a policy decision. And so you've got to decide what you're going to protect and incentivize. Anyway, so all these networking opportunities, and here's why it's so important. In the next couple of years, on the issue of life, because Roe v. Wade is gone, and now we have a brave, new, wide-open landscape, on the issue of immigration and the future of our country based on what we've had in this invasion, on the future of education because of how we've seen what COVID did, we have sort of wide-open fields where a lot of leadership is needed and you've got to get wise and connected, wise and connected, not just connected, not just loud, not just encouraged, get wise and connected. Eagle council, Eagle council is where you want to come September 15th, 16th and 17th in St. Louis. You can come in. It's uh, right at the airport Marriott. It works. For, it's really easy to come in. It's really easy to be a part of it. If you go to Eagle council, dot com eaglecouncil.com you can go there and find out all the details and sign up eaglecouncil.com you're going to want to be a part of it. we got some big announcements of speakers that are coming in the next couple of days so there you have it as always thank you to noah dingley ryan height mason mohan and we'll be back tomorrow it's ed martin here on the pro america report talk to you then